you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, It's good to see all of you. I hope you all had uh, just a wonderful, meaningful um, Thanksgiving holiday. If we've not met yet, my name is JP, and I would love an opportunity to meet you after service. Uh, And it's just such an honor and a joy to be able to be here together this Sunday morning uh, to hear what God has for us. And that goes for all of you who are in person, and it goes for everyone who's watching online, and it goes for those who might be listening, maybe not on Sunday morning, but listening on the podcast at a later date. Know that you all are prayed for, cared for, and loved. Now, as uh, Michelle just mentioned, we are starting a brand new series called King, and we're going to spend the next few weeks uh, as a, for our Advent series, as we had our first uh, candle lighting of Advent, looking at the candle of hope and finding our hope in Jesus and Jesus alone and reminding ourselves and aligning ourselves uh, that sometimes we struggle and, and things are difficult, but that flickering light of hope Uh, can help us to see in the midst of dark and difficult circumstances. And so uh, we're grateful for that as we continue that series um, or that um, lighting of the Advent candle over the next few weeks. Now, the reason we're calling this series King is that we're going to uh, take a look at um, Jesus as King and specifically through the lens of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at different, the different gifts that were provided what those signify about who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he will do, and also how that, all of that knowledge will impact our lives for Christ. So before we do, though, um, my daughter Shaylin, uh, our daughter Shaylin, turned 10 yesterday. Uh, so it's just really exciting because I, those of you who are parents, this is our first time with a, with a child who went from single digits to like double digit age. And so it's like, oh, this is a big deal. Like, this is really cool. She wanted um, what she wanted for, you know, Thanksgiving and her birthday come, you know, usually pretty close back to back. And so she really wanted uh, her Grammy and Pop, so Steph's parents to come, uh, wanted to go to the safari park um, and go zip lining. Um, and so she's like, I really want Grammy and Pop to come. And part of that is because last year we had plans for them to come, but we got exposed to COVID right before the holiday and right before her birthday. So it, it made for a little bit of a, of a tougher um, holiday and birthday for her. And so she still had a good day and it was still fine, but she's been looking forward to celebrating Thanksgiving and her birthday uh, with family. And so she's like, I, I, I want Grammy and Pop there. Um, I want to go ziplining. I want a lot of sweets. I want presents. You know, just a very full, it was a very full day is what I'm saying. Um, but it's great here is because uh, being able to have honored guests of Grammy and Pop or Steve and Anna Lee, having them come meant so much to them. And I, and I heard her saying last night, just having you all here was just the greatest gift. And so, um, and I'm like, you're 10 going on amazing. And so just, you know, just really, really sweet. And I bring that up because, you know, in, as we're looking at the wise men in Matthew 2, it's, it's they were guests celebrating Jesus's birth. And the difference is, is that if you look into the history of when Christmas was celebrated, for the first 300 years, it wasn't like, oh, it's, it's December 25th. For the first 300 years, Christmas, like the birth was, it was important, but they placed, the early church placed a lot of emphasis 
on what's called the Feast of Epiphany. And the Feast of Epiphany signifies when the honored guests, the wise men, the magi came to visit Jesus. And the providing and the presenting of the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And recognizing that, again, each of those different gifts symbolize or signify something about who Jesus is, but what he does and what role he deserves to have in our lives. And so as we're celebrating Shailen's birth uh, for 10 years later and having guests here, we're going to turn our attention to the, the guests at, who celebrated Jesus with his birth. And before we do, I would ask that you would join me in a word of prayer as we get ready for what God has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person who hears my voice right now, whether that person is sitting here uh, in our sanctuary, whether they're listening online, live, whether they're listening to the podcast at a later time. God, whoever is part of our service now, I pray that they would be overwhelmed by the sense of how much you love them. God, in the midst of a, of a Christmas season, in the midst of busyness, in the midst of so much going on, may they hear your still small voice drawing them close to you. And I pray that each of us would be closer to you once our time together is ended, uh, closer to you then than we were when we first showed up or when we first came here this morning. I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and you can follow along on the screen. There's Bibles that are in the seat racks in front of you. Some of you brought your Bibles. Some of you used your phones. All of those are options. Others of you haven't memorized, and so that's awesome too. Um, and so Matthew 2, 1 through 12 is where we're going to be spending our time. And as I alluded to earlier, we're looking at the three different gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus. And so the first one that's mentioned is gold. And so gold, if you look into the meaning of it, um, looking at some of the dynamics, some of the commentators will say that it emphasizes uh, God's, uh, excuse me, Jesus's divinity, that he is, that he is God. And, and that, that can be true. One of the things that we see more often or very often is that it refers to his royalty or he is king. And so because this whole story is the people, the wise men coming to bow down and worship Jesus as king. The whole series is called King, but we're going to specifically unpack the idea of how this is the gift of gold symbolizes and emphasizes his kingship, not just of the Jews, which we'll see he's king of the Jews, but of our hearts as well. And if you were to think about the different gifts, and I don't know, some of you, real quick, how many of you love giving gifts? Like giving gifts is your love language or something that really means a lot to you. How many of you love receiving gifts? Am I right, guys? You know what I'm talking about? Um, it's the same thing the people who are like, who has the gift of cooking food? I'm like, I have the gift of eating food. We should be friends. Um, but recognizing that, you know, there are times when you get gifts and they're just so meaningful and you just knew, okay, this is exactly what this person wants and it would be perfect. And then I don't know if you've had this, uh, this situation. Um, when we got married, we had like a gift registry, um, which was kind of dangerous for me because I just had like that little um, gun that just like you could just scan things. And so we're like looking at, you know, here's the plates that we want. I'm like, here's a Clorox thing I think is fun, right? Like I'm just like scanning stuff for no reason. Um, and like scanning batteries. I don't know. I was, I was very excited. But there are times when we go, you know, we get that and then there were... Um, we showed up and there were people who would kind of give gifts that were off registry, right? And so it's one of those where 
Someone gave us, a, you know, a, a friend of ours gave us like a Christmas tree topper uh, that is not like our style or, or anything like that, but it's one of those where it's a gift, and they're like, oh, this is going to be so meaningful. And I'm like, you know, I appreciate the thought. However, um, I don't, we, we never ended up using it because we're like, well, we, we knew what we wanted to have, and then you got something very random. Is that always bad? No, but in this circumstance, it was one I'm like, oh, we're not really going to use it. I didn't say that. Um, but recognize that as we look at the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, you know, as a recipient, there are times when they may, like Mary and, and Joseph receiving these gifts on behalf of Jesus, as we unpack what some of these gifts might mean, they might say, I don't, I don't really want this for my child. Because this points to sacrifice. This points to death. This points towards heartache. I don't want this gift. But we don't get to determine the gifts that we are given. We get to determine how we use whatever we are given and give them back to God in worship. But today, as we talk about his royalty, how he is king, we're going to look at three different groups of people or people within Matthew chapter 2. And in so doing, we may find ourselves aligning with their perspective a little bit more than others. Because as we come into a Christmas season, some of us are... Um, really excited. We've been listening to Christmas songs since like November 1st of 2020. Like we've not stopped, right? Like some of us are people that we wait till the day after uh, the day after Thanksgiving, or some of us, we started giving our gifts a long time ago or planning our gifts. Some of us are trying to figure out when to make a list for gifts. Some of us come into this year just needing a break, needing something to be rejoicing about or joyful about. Some of us come into this year mourning because it's the first year that we're missing someone at our table. Some of us, we've lost someone who close to us for years, and Christmas and traditions just reminds us of that. And so some of us are excited and pursuing Christmas. Some of us wish we could kind of ignore the heartache and the pain of it. And some of us might be mad because of how God did something that we didn't like or didn't do something we wanted him to. And so then we're upset with him and we're angry with him. And we want to, we don't know how to handle it because we want to say, we'll say Merry Christmas at all the stores and we'll smile and we'll go through the motions. But inside, we're angry, we're sad, we're scared. And may I take just a brief aside that God can handle all of those emotions in your life. No matter how angry you are, how sad you are, how scared you are, no matter how this is impacting you, you can go to God with all of that. And in fact, the book of, the book of Psalms points us to the truth that God can handle all of our emotions. We need not hide from the one who knows all of our thoughts anyways. And we need not be afraid of the emotions he's given us if we give them back to worship to him and in prayer to him. So we're going to be looking at three different groups of people or people here in Matthew 2 and figuring out what is it about how they are interacting with Jesus as king and what does that look like in our own lives. And so we're going to start off with looking at the wise men, that the wise men 
We're seeking the king. And these, this list of three um, that we talk about, I got this uh, from Warren Wearsby in his commentary about the book of Matthew, or about the New Testament, but in the Matthew section here. So I want to give credit to whom credit is due. And so he talks about this. The first one is the magi, or the wise men, were seeking the king. Let's see how far the seeking has gone in their lives and how much they, it impacted what they did, starting in verse, Matthew 2, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. There's a few things I want to unpack there. First, that the word Magi is where we get the word uh, magic or magicians. Uh, these, these men were, not, were likely not magicians, but they were people who were familiar with with astrology or different things uh, from the East. Now, just because, and I think we know this, but I think it's important to take note of, just because the Bible mentions something doesn't mean that the Bible is always approving of something. And so recognizing that it's not saying, oh, astrology and all this, oh, that's a great thing. No, it's saying this is who it was and this is the real story. If, If the Bible wasn't totally true, the Bible, the authors would have hidden a lot of the faults of the people there, a lot of the people that, you know, had issues just like the rest of us, if it was something that they wanted to hide that they could have, but the Bible we see and we know is true, and it's not just a good story. It's the greatest story ever told, but it's not just a good story as if it's a fiction, fictional story. It's a totally true story that we could look at not just as um, impacting our lives, but historical, and we can look back on some of these things. So the Magi, they're also known as wise men. So if you know the song, We Three Kings, uh, they talk about that. So are, were they kings? Were they wise men? Were they astrologers? We, what, what we know is that, you know, could they have been kings? Yeah, maybe. But we know that there were wise men from the east. They were people who came from the east. And where is the east? We don't fully know. Could be Persia. It could be from further out. We're not totally sure. However, there are a few things that we do know based on this text. It says that, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. Now, I want to I paint a picture here of, first off, what was the star that was seen? Second off, how did they know it was his star? And third, how does the star play into the angels and everything that happened on the night that Jesus was born? Uh, to answer the first question and say, what was the star? I want to give you a, 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 a brief um, few ideas, different theories that people have. Um, and I also want to turn your attention to BethlehemStar.com, which uh, is called The Star of Bethlehem. Uh, and it's a documentary by Frederick Carlson uh, that is about a little over an hour. It's also available on YouTube, um, but I did not, um, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. But I saw the interview in which he talks about some of what they could be. Because here's what's so great. Again, this is not just a good story like it's a novel. It's the greatest story that's ever told, and it's true. Therefore, we can chart stars and the movements of planets and things from thousands of years ago in order to say, what is it that this star could have been? So one of the examples is that Jupiter, uh, the planet, is one of the brightest things in our night sky, and so is Venus. In fact, uh, the, the girls, our family, we went on a walk a few weeks ago, and we got the app, and we were able to like, put like, the sky map, and like, oh, there's Jupiter. Like, it was really bright. What was it? Well, there was 
a time um, around the time of Jesus' birth where Jupiter being very bright and Venus being very bright were in such alignment from the sky that it appeared that it could have been one giant star. Now, this is important for us to unpack because I'm, I'm going to go a little history here. It's important for us to recognize that a lot of ancient um, literature talks about Herod, the king that we're going to meet in a few moments, that he died in 4 BC. Now, there's some other literature that points to the fact that prior to a certain date in the 1500s, the records had shown 1 BC, which would be a little bit more in line with our timeline of when Jesus was born. Because the wise men couldn't have visited Herod if he was already dead. And so when was Jesus born? And so if we use the, the 1 BC date of King Herod's death, then we ought to be looking at around 2 or 3 BC, something astronomical. And by that, I don't mean astron astronomical as in big, but astronomical as in having to do with astronomy, the stars and the movements. That could be pointing towards what the, new star, what the Bethlehem star was. So one example is that it could be Jupiter and it could be Venus and they lined up. Another example that lines up with our story pretty well uh, as well is how <clears throat> there was a time when Ju uh, Ju Jupiter would uh, show up and it was, it was aligning with uh, Leo the lion or, or one of the constellations that astrologers like the Magi would have been paying attention to. That Leo the lion was, lions had referred to kings and the, the star there that was part of that was a star called Regulus. Regulus is where we get the word regal, which also refers to kingship. And this star would show up about three different times over the span of, a few, of several months. And so we talk about how they followed the star and then all of a sudden they didn't know where it was. There are some theories that talk about how this could be where it was happening, where they saw the star, they followed it. And because it happened more than once, they said, there's a king, there's something that is happening that has to do with royalty that we need to pay attention to. And so they travel from the east in order to go to Jerusalem because they think this must be the place to go in order to find a king would be the palace. And so they're pursuing, they're looking to it, then they follow where it's supposed to go, and now they've arrived. The, the Magi were seeking the king. But they didn't just seek him because they wanted to curry favor. They didn't just seek him for their own benefit. But as we pull up the verse again, they wanted to seek him to worship him, which is highlighted in the, the bottom part of verse 2. That this word worship is this idea of bowing down before, of presenting gifts to. And so they bowed down before Jesus. These Gentiles who were not Jewish came from afar, saw something in the sky, whether it's one of the theories I mentioned or another, they saw something in the sky that caused them to travel from afar in order to seek out a king and to seek out who, what the impact that Jesus would have and then to bow down before him, to worship him, to lay gifts at his feet. So that's the first example. We see the wise men or the magi were seeking him. The second person we specifically meet here is Herod. Whereas the wise men were seeking him, Herod was opposing the king. And we start to see, at first it looks like he's, he, he's on the same side, but we start to unpack the truth of where Herod's heart is. And I think it's important for us to notice because sometimes if we're honest, our hearts can be in a similar place when we're frustrated. Verse 3 says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Now, it's interesting that we don't really know, like we also assume that there are three wise men because of the gift of gold, the gift of frankincense, and the gift of myrrh. But there's nowhere in there that it says there's only three. So could there have been three? Absolutely. Could there have been 12? Sure. There could, we don't know the number. We know that there were three gifts, but that doesn't preclude there from being more than three kings. So what this shows us, or at least what this idea points to, is that whoever came, whether it was three on a camel with nice hats, or whether they was more of them, whoever came, when they went to Jerusalem, it created a disturbance, that, that Herod was greatly disturbed. Why? Because they came saying, where's the king? We want to celebrate him. And Herod, who was in charge of this area, he was not Jewish, but he was in charge of the area via Rome. He's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. So they, he connects the king of the Jews, this idea, with the, the prevailing understanding at the time that there would be a Messiah, a chosen one, an anointed one, who would come from the people of Israel, and he would become king over the Jews. That he would overthrow the governments and that he would make it so that he was sitting on the throne in Jerusalem in the line of David. And so he says, well, where is the Messiah, like, where is the Messiah supposed to go to? And he finds out in Bethlehem. And then he says, oh, you know what? When you find him, tell me. I also want to bow down in front of him. I want to worship him too. But the, the, the machinations in his heart are not to worship it's to oppose and destroy. How do we know that his heart is not to worship, but to oppose and to destroy? I'm going to pull out verse 7 a little bit and emphasize a little bit, because not only do we not know how many kings there were, or excuse me, how many uh, magi or wise men there were, not only do we not fully know where the east is, because it could have been a great distance, we also have had an understanding of the timeline of their visit that is not connected to scripture. In fact, verse seven talks about how it says, Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Why is that important? Well, because if the star had just occurred, if this was all happening on the night of Jesus's birth, he wouldn't have had to worry about where the star was because the star would have been there. We know that there are great angels who met the, sheep, the shepherds in the fields and told them to go to where Jesus was lying in the manger. We get that from Luke chapter 2. But the star is something that we don't know when the exact time was, or at least Herod wanted to ask when the exact time occurred. Because what we see here in the next verse, or not in the next verse, excuse me, verse 16 shows us this. Go ahead and go to the next verse. Um, it says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi. So the Magi, they say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll go, we'll find him. But because they were warned not to go back to Herod, they went a different way. Herod's 
furious. He didn't want to worship this king. He wanted to destroy him. We see it this way. He was outweighed by the Magi. He was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys between, or, excuse me, in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Why two years old or under? Because if, the, if Jesus was just born, why didn't you say all the newborns? Because this journey, we see it in our Christmas cards and our nativity sets that the wise men and the shepherds were all there on the same night. But when we believe that this is not just a good story, but it's the greatest story that's ever told that is true, we can look at it with a degree of historicity or looking at it historically and recognizing that according to the scripture itself in Matthew 2, the wise men were not there the night of Jesus' birth. They came later, months later, potentially up to two years later, because Herod wanted all the boys to, they knew that he knew the time. Okay, the star happened at this time. Therefore, any child, any boy under two could potentially be this king that's going to overthrow my government. So we turn to the Bible to find the truth of what happened. Even though our beautiful nativity set has kings, and I'm, I'll still put them out there. I'm not going like, to not do it, right? But recognize that the Bible is the one that points us to the truth and to the timing of it all that occurred. But through this action, we see that Herod was not there to worship. He was there to destroy. He was opposing the king because he wanted to stay king. And friends, Herod, Herod is often a lot more like us than we want to admit, or rather we are a lot more like him than we want to admit. Because we, deep down, all want to be kings of our own lives or we want to be in charge, or we want to have control, or we want to feel secure, and we want to be the ones to determine right and wrong. The first sin is the sin of saying, if you take the bite of the apple, that you will be like God, knowing right and wrong. In other words, we get to feel like we want to be the gods of our own lives, and we want to determine what's right and wrong. And so they took of the knowledge of the garden, in the garden the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. See, all of us, because of our very sinful nature, are bent towards opposing Jesus as king or opposing God as king. Now, God transforms us, but we can still veer off course if we're not careful. And maybe we don't put ourselves as king, but we place popularity or possessions or performance or just escapism or social media or friendships or sports or movies or anything else that we put on the throne of our lives, anything else that we put in an honor place that we spend our time bowing down before, anything else is going to lead us astray. That if we follow any other king, we're going to be greatly disturbed when that, when that idol we see is woefully prepared and unable, incapable of being king of our lives because that spot has been made warm for Jesus alone. And yet we keep trying to put new kings in our lives and new things on the throne that if we're not careful, we may not even know we're opposing him. But anytime we put anything above him and put them in the place of king in our lives, then we are in opposition of the gospel and of what he came to do. 
Notice I say us, not you people. This is for all of us to wrestle with. The Magi were seeking the king. Herod was opposing the king. And then the third group of people we hear or we see about here are the Jewish priests. The Jewish priests were ignoring the king. They had the knowledge of where the Messiah was supposed to come. They heard rumor of people who had no background in the Jewish faith coming from far away, miles upon miles and months upon travel in order to come and see the king, the one that they were hoping would overthrow the government. And the Jewish priests knew all about it, knew where to go, knew he was going to come to Bethlehem in the city of David, knew that that was going to happen. They were five miles away and did not take a step towards him. Sometimes having a lot of head knowledge gives us a false sense of security of intimacy with God. Sometimes we think because we know the right things that that therefore means that we're going to be following Jesus automatically. Do we need to know the truth? Of course we do. But sometimes the greatest distance that any of us will ever have to travel in our lives is the one foot between our heads and our hearts. What we know with our heads to how it impacts who we are and how we live. And so here's how the Jewish priests ignored and, and disregarded it, uh, that fact that the king was coming. And here, Matthew 2, verse 6, has a prophecy from Micah 5. So I'm going to send us directly to Micah 5, verse 2 on the screen here uh, that we could read together. This is the actual prophecy from the Old Testament in the book of Micah. But you, Bethlehem Epaphra, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel or shepherd over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Pointing to a shepherd that was from ancient times, who was old, one who was Jesus, who was our good shepherd, who was there from the very beginning, that in him and through him all things were made, that he was the firstborn of all creation, the one that all things were created through him. And so he's saying, they know he's going to be in Bethlehem. So when the Magi come and say, where is this going to happen? They say, Bethlehem. The Jewish priests knew, but they ignored who Jesus is and what he could do for them. Maybe they just liked their seat of power. Maybe they liked being able to be known and being close to the king or to Herod. Or maybe they just got so busy going about things that their head knowledge hadn't made it to their heart knowledge and made it to how they changed their lives and how they live. They were so caught up in what they thought it was going to be that they were not willing to see Jesus for who he is. So some of us here are people that we're struggling right now because we're hurt by God or we feel hurt, so we just want to ignore him. Maybe he hasn't shown up the way that we thought he would or should, so we want to ignore him. That we disregard who he really is as king in our lives because we want him to do something else for us. He want, we want him to give us a certain something. And whatever it is that we pursue most is what we worship. Everyone worships something, but who we worship is everything. And so are we seeing Jesus as our king? Or we want Jesus to come alongside and, and say, when we see like Jesus is my co-pilot, he's not your co-pilot. He's your Lord. He doesn't just get to sit in the cockpit next to you and tell you how to leave. He's the one that's leading our lives. He's the king on the throne. And so 
when we look at the wise men, Herod, and the Jewish priests, maybe, just maybe, one of, we feel like we are aligned with one of them more, where we relate to one of them more right now. Some of us are pursuing God fully. Some of us are feeling we're opposed him, we're angry at him. Some of us are ignoring him because things are too busy and we've been too hurt and our hearts are too pained or, 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 or scarred from different difficulties. We don't hear much about how the people, the Jewish priests felt. We don't get any, any emotion words from them. We see that if you're like Herod and you oppose the king, that he was greatly disturbed. But only the wise men, only the wise men found and worshiped the king. And what it brought for them was joy. It brought them great joy. Let's read this last few verses as, as we close our sermon. Verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. I'll stop there just briefly for a moment to reiterate that time has passed from the night of Jesus' birth. Two different words in the Greek point us to this. The first one is that it's the idea of a child. That word in the Greek refers to a toddler, not an infant or not a newborn. And the second is the word house, which is different than the word manger or stable. So it's, again, the, the text is giving us clues that this didn't happen on the same night. That doesn't change the truth of what happened. What really happened, it just means that we turn to this, not just as a good story, that's a novel, but as the greatest story ever told, that is true. So continuing on. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Only the ones who are pursuing Jesus as king were the ones that bowed down. They found him. If we seek him with our whole hearts, we will find him. They worshiped him. They bowed down and they laid down their crowns at his feet or they laid down their treasures at his feet. And only the ones who pursue Jesus and seek him as their king are the ones who received great joy. We're all coming into this season with different emotions, different things we're struggling with. But the question I would ask for all of us is right now, are we pursuing, are we pursuing the Jesus as king, like the wise men? Are we willing to go where he calls us to go and to give what he calls us to give, to sacrifice what he calls us to sacrifice, and to be who he calls us to be? Some of us, are we in a place where we're opposing, we're angry, we're upset, we feel like if we make God the Lord of our lives, truthfully, that means that we won't be able to be Lord of our lives, but we oppose that rather than welcome it. And do we keep trying to find other things or people to put on the throne rather than laying down our lives and bowing at the one whose rightful seat that is, and that's Jesus as our king? Or are we people that maybe right now we're just... Once I get my career settled, then I'll be able to pay more attention to God. Once, I'm be able, once the kids are out of the house, I'll be able to pay attention to God and see him as king. Or once I'm out of school, if you're in school right now, if you're a student, once I get married, once I have kids, once, I mean, we can always say once something else happens, we'll follow Jesus, but the moment is now, the day is today. 
that we can't ignore that Jesus is king, that he is Lord, that he is our hope, and that following him doesn't always mean a safe, easy, comfortable journey. It doesn't. We know this. But putting him in the place of king in our lives, though it's not always easy, does provide us with great joy. Because we know that joy is not in a what we can earn or what we can do. It's in a who. It's not in what we can do for ourselves. It's in what Jesus did. And the first gift from the three uh, wise men or from the wise men, from the magi, the gift of gold reminds us that Jesus is king. The series will point us to that fact over and over through the various gifts that they give. They're reminding us that because he's king, we bow down and we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus because he alone gives us hope, life, purpose, and joy. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. We thank you that your word is a good story, but it's not some good novel. This is the greatest story ever told that is true and that we could look at the history and, and corroborate different parts that happen. And so, Lord, we know that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, but we thank you that throughout your word we see, we have proof and we have ways to point to historical moments when something was different and something changed. And Jesus, when you came to this earth, you changed everything. That the king had returned. The king had come to take the rightful place on the throne. Not just the king of the Jews, but to be king of kings, lord of lords, and a, a rule a kingdom that is everlasting forever and ever. And so, Jesus, we pray that as we... In this moment, we would see you and seek you and see where are we with you. May we not get too busy so we ignore you. May we not allow difficulties to cause us to oppose you. But in the midst of all those things, may we seek you wholeheartedly and receive the joy that comes from following you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.